millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Voice of the Iceberg. I'm Alison Balance, and this is Endeavour, the final episode in a four-part audio adventure from RNZ. We've journeyed to the Antarctic Peninsula with artist Joseph Michael and his team and discovered the varied voices of icebergs. As well as Joe, we've met behind-the-scenes director Ryan McNeil, sound recordist Mark Michelle, a.k.a. Mitch, and photographer Thomas Haletta. Now the team encounter their biggest icebergs and face their final challenge, how to project a digital berg onto the outside of the Auckland War Memorial Museum. Icebergs are always unusual and cunning because sometimes you look at one and you might photograph it from one angle and it looks very bland and almost hidden in the landscape and then you go around the other side of it and all of a sudden this amazing surface is revealed. Roger sent out an email via satellite to some of the other captains and there was a captain of one boat emailed us one morning and said that he'd spotted a very impressive iceberg in one of the bays north of us so we, we set out looking for it. Lincoln, we, we can't really forget about it. When we heard that call, we knew it was going to be something because otherwise who would just, you know, think that an iceberg was, was good enough to give a call and to have like another boat completely cross, I don't know, the whole channel, I think it was the, the main channel, to go and see it. So we're, we were completely certain that it would be an amazing one. So we found Lincoln. There's a bit of excitement on the boat. Let's finish it as we have, and then we can, we can come. I'd say it's pretty unique. I reckon this one's about an 11 out of 10 myself. We're lucky to find this one. We were looking around for Lincoln, and, and we spotted a huge one, but it had a very flat face, and we were looking for one with a big arch, yeah, and I know that can't be the one. Square up on it in a minute. When we arrived, it was sort of showing its back to us. Watch this little growler, boys. Going to give you a wee bump. Heading it now. We were a bit disappointed. Oh, OK, that doesn't look... Uh, it had snow on it as well, and, and it was sort of a slope that was going straight into the water, so we didn't really know what to expect. And sure enough, as we came around the corner in the boat, we saw this huge, huge archway. Yeah, go, Thomas, go. The whole archway would have been higher than the mast of the boat. So when we came across Lincoln, uh, we couldn't quite fathom what we were seeing. An iceberg of the size that it was um, that had a giant dome 
carved out in the middle that was accessible by three archways. I don't think I've ever seen something similar at all in my life. Oh, Lincoln. It's like childhood when you see a massive cake, you know, like a meringue. Well, Lincoln was just a big, heaving splendor. It had three archways. It looked like a architecturally designed building. I think the interesting thing about this one, Thomas, is the um, anticipation, because from this back side, it looks fairly, fairly plain. Well, at first I thought it would be another George, to be fair. Yeah. Roger okay. seemed pretty confident that we'd find it. It's never at first sight. You have to go around and yeah. look for it. You could easily drive past this, because it was described by one of the ship captains as the best archway he'd ever seen. And so we were searching around this bay, not knowing where it was. And um, okay. even as we got up, it sort of it takes a while to reveal itself, eh? As you came close to it, it the sound was unusual. It, it sitting in the entrance of the archway, or close to it at least, it sounds like a thunderstorm. And you get this rain sound but you get the echoing from the chamber of the of the iceberg and as it as pieces crack off the roof and fall down it creates this thunderous echo which if you close your eyes it sounds exactly like a thunderstorm. excited to get out to the water and to experience this and initially I sat outside the archways with a um, stereo mic and uh, was getting some incredible audio from it. It was quite um, quite aggressive, there was a heck of a lot of movement, um, there was all sorts of sounds emanating from it both above and beneath, things were starting to um, carve off. And the sounds that was making, the groans, the creaks, the, 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 the claps, and it was just the cracking, and you couldn't see where it come from. And, and of course, by the time you hear it, whatever that sound come from, um, had done its business, and you'd often just see the wake. Roger was excited, super excited to get out in the tender and get close to this thing. Um, and he had to take Mitch out there and um, navigate him pretty much into one of the archways. So I went inside the dome, uh, which was just yeah, mammoth sitting inside there, felt like just an absolute speck, and was able to get about 15 minutes of recording with the surround sound microphone. And that by far was probably the most incredible of all the audio. It was just underpinned by dozens of different sounds. It, it was like a thunderstorm in many ways. There were large amounts of water that was flowing down off, off the side of it and um, dropping off from the top. Um, there were little bits of ice that were coming off as well. There were fizzes and pops and cracks and a really low frequency that was coming from probably the immense pressure that this iceberg was under and the dome itself was amplifying the sound, so yeah, it's quite breathtaking, it really is.
Lincoln was a, a joy to go around. It was a joy to sit with. Lincoln was a real joy to sit with for some time and just enjoy. And that will be magnificent. So if on a building, you can imagine this. It's exactly the same thing. You have one side and just super simple, and then people go around the other side and you have the two archways and yeah. then a big archway on the front. What sort of building can we map? Like a gym? Maybe. Or a swimming pool? <laughs> a swimming pool. Oh, like the bird's nest or the opera house yeah. in Sydney. You could, yeah. you could use parts of this for the opera house in Sydney. And that's definitely on the list. And this was our first epic iceberg encounter. It was, um, it was like day three, I think, or, or day four um, already. And we we had mapped mapped some icebergs before, but none of them gave us that you know reassuring feeling that we we had what we wanted and we knew we could project map map them. But with Ernest, um, we knew it was the one. It was the one that would make it first into a projection mapping. So we saw it from far away, and that side of it was already like a like a building. It was like a wall, pretty much a wall of ice. You could see it on the radar, and Roger had a feeling. He sort of said, oh, Joe, I, I think you're going to like this one. It's on the horizon, and you can, if you can see something on the horizon that looks big, you, <laughs> you get a fair idea when you get up to it, you're going to be breaking your neck to see the top of it. When we started to, to get close and get close, we actually started to realise it. That it would be too big for a building almost, you know? So we circled twice around it. So the first one was to get really the detail of the ice, and the second one was to actually get the full-sized iceberg. Ernest was incredible. The photographers got their shots and got what they needed to. Then we just sort of sat back and um, admired it. It was just like... I, I don't probably use the right terms, but it was so tabular, so square, so building-like, and especially in terms of the Auckland War Memorial Museum. Projection mapping, it's different techniques, but generally it's projecting an image back onto a building, but instead of using it as a cinema screen, you're using the architecture of the building or an object. You know, you can projection map on anything, really. Project a map on a cat if you wanted. So we create a 3D model of the building and then I photographically map the iceberg into these different elements of the building and then I can I can sort of do interesting you know, things with that surface. I'm combining the surface of the museum or the building and I'm wanting to sort of confuse the audience as, as to whether they're they're looking at an iceberg or looking at a building. Such a significant opportunity for um, for Joe and um, the whole team to tell the story of Antarctica, give people a, a sense of war and inspiration around um, being able to see Antarctica in an urban setting, which has never been done before. The shape of Ernest lent itself well to the the museum. It felt like it, its surface would work well on the museum and and the different contours that. Um, you know, there were some, some similarities in the contours of the museum and, and that iceberg. 
But Ernest, is a, it was quite a young iceberg, it, you could tell it was huge, but it had only just broken off a glacier. And there was something about, in my process, in, in, in mapping these buildings, that it felt appropriate to choose, uh, call it young, but in a sense, you know, quite a new iceberg as my first one. Have you heard the sound of um, pixels? No. Come with me, it's the sound of pixels. Somebody's having a look at projection on a building at the moment. Excited about it? Yeah, no, it's just a great project to work on actually. Yeah, boys enjoy these arty ones, <laughs> the big ideas, and this is certainly a big idea, so it's, um, it's going to look great, I think. The Auckland Museum, in, well, in my mind, it's the most fantastic building in New Zealand. The situation, the way it's placed in the middle of the domain there is, is magnificent, and it's perfectly suited for projection mapping. It has a very even colour which makes, makes it um, useful for the you know, projection mapping. If you've got a building that's got different colours of bricks, it sort of just affects your picture, but it's very consistent and it's very accurate. Yeah, I was talking to the guys who did our 3D model, because we created a, a, a 3D model of the building and they mapped it, and they said it's one of the most precise buildings they've ever seen. It's just so, so straight and I think that's something about the era that was created. It's obviously a very grand building as well. And I thought that the grandness of that building itself parallels the grandness of these icebergs. The idea with this iceberg is that we pretty much line it up to the size of the building. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there's always a challenge, it's just working through the challenges, I think that's the important part. We haven't done the 360 degree version of the museum though, this is a, this is a first. Um, I'd say it would be one of the biggest projection projects in this country by far. John's concerned about these black holes. Yeah, they're a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Any other problems that you see? Um, John's doesn't like the windows. Well, I hate the windows. <laughs> what, what do you like about the building? I love it. Oh. Apart <laughs> from those circles. <laughs> and we can get rid of the circles, that's easy. Look at the cracks coming down the pole. Look at that good, eh? Might be some little caves and things. So the cave part looks quite cool. Mm, you know? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Let's see. That'll we could have right. a part that falls up, off it. Especially that crashing off and then sound. Some of the icebergs we could hear the sounds and you could hear the streams and the waterfalls coming and you could see them as well. We could hear, hear all of this from the boat and you know obviously the cracks and the um, of some of the other icebergs is that as it as it falls off you you feel right through your body um, that's one thing I'm trying to replicate a little bit in the you know using subs in the installation is to to use sound not just as an oral thing but as a, as a physical thing that you you feel because you very much feel a lot of the sound in Antarctica um, you hear hear parts of it but bass frequencies you feel. So there's a range of, of speakers set up around the museum, I think about 20 different points of audio and they'll be um, low-end uh, subs to give people that real sense of um, you know, that, that low, low frequency that we're able to capture in some of these, um, with some of these icebergs that um, you almost feel more than you hear and at different 
points around the museum as well. There's surround sound speaker set up so that people can um, not just experience it um, on a um, static level just by looking at it, but actually feel like they're, they're sitting in the middle of the ocean looking um, at this um, iceberg, not just witnessing it from afar. Dave Whitehead's been working on um, the sound design. Of course, Rian Chien's um, bringing the installation to life with his beautiful music and his compositions. My name is Rian Chien. I'm a composer, and my role on this project has been to create a musical landscape, I guess, that uh, simmers away under the recordings and the imagery. As soon as he got back, he sent me um, a lot of Mitch's recordings of the ice, you know, breaking up, and these just in, insanely detailed sonic soundscapes of, of that world. And, and you know, I, I would I would just sit here and listen to them. And when you listen to those recordings, you really feel like you're there. So it's quite remarkable, I think. The more that I started working with the imagery, and the more that I spoke to Joe about it, uh, the, the music, in a way, became. Uh, it, it didn't need to be the centre of attention. It became, I guess, the music needed to be a bit more understated and not as big and huge and epic as we originally intended. So that's the direction we've gone in. I mean, it's hard to work out what what emotion Antarctica has. You know, like with, uh, we, we didn't want it to sound um, well. I didn't want it to sound new agey or, or too spiritual. So. That's been tricky, but a lot of the time we realised that the music just needed to not get in the way of the soundscape of the environment, you know, the, the incredible recordings that, they, that Mitch um, captured down there. So the music ended up being quite um, considered and, I guess, reserved in a lot of places. He wanted to capture the feeling that he had when he was down there on the ice. So he would talk to me about it, and, and uh, we came up with, we worked with Al Fraser, who's an amazing um, Wellington musician who plays um, and makes traditional Māori instruments. And he played, uh, on this one, he played um, thing, the Pūriri Hua. I've seen him lots of little snippets over the last year and he fell in love with one in particular and we developed that around a section of, of the show. It's very sparse um, and I think he just he, he just felt that it kind of encompassed the feeling of what he was going for. tell someone about Antarctica now or, or think about it, it's just how dynamic that place is in terms of movement and uh, sound of course and, and light and the way that the bergs move overnight, you wake up in the morning and either one's gone or three have come. 
place is absolutely dynamic and it changes and it breathes, it absolutely breathes daily, during the day, during the night. Things gather, things move apart, things are created and things are destroyed all in front of your eyes. You don't necessarily have to sit there for a whole day and watch it. You can see different elements of those forces at play throughout the day, but just being able to connect them, having the luxury of time to be able to connect them and put them together and see how that biosphere and cryosphere and all the, all the spheres coming together down there is just really cool. That was Endeavour, the fourth and final episode of Voice of the Iceberg. In this series, you heard from Joseph Michael, Ryan McNeil, Mark Michelle, aka Mitch, Nick Fluvier, Thomas Haleta, Niwa scientist Mike Williams, and composer Rianne Sheehan. A big shout out to the rest of the team who had cameos in the location audio Simon Godsiff, Jason Nichols, Jeff Ross, and Nick Walker. And many thanks to Roger Wallace and the crew of Australis and sound designer Dave Whitehead. The Voice of the Iceberg podcast series was produced and edited for RNZ by me, Alison Balance, with field audio from Ryan McNeil and Mark Michelle and sound engineering by Mark Chesterman. Music by Rian Sheehan was composed for Antarctica, While You Were Sleeping an exhibition projecting a digital iceberg onto the exterior of the Auckland War Memorial Museum as part of the 2017 Auckland Arts Festival. The trip to Antarctica was made possible thanks to the generous support of the Wallace Arts Trust, Friedlander Foundation and Creative New Zealand. You can find all the episodes and photos of the bergs at rnz.co.nz iceberg. You can also find the podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. And please, if you could take a moment to rate us, that would be fantastic. From the whole Voice of the Iceberg team, thanks for listening, and we'll leave you with the Bergs. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.